Welcome to the New Books Network. Get a chair, grab a seat, or we'll sweep you off your feet. We move, we groove, you got mail. Ease your legs, rest a while, all you gotta do is smile. We're swell, can't you tell you got mail? When the show begins, you better hold on real tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as a kite. Take a break, settle down, we're the only show in town. SRO, don't you know you got mail? Give it up, don't think twice, we're a hurricane on ice. What the hell, give it yell, ring your bell, show and tell. Mademoiselle, give a smell, you got Mel. You've got Mel. Get a chip. And Mel has Pam Morris. Oh, I'm going to I love it. Everybody can see my screen. Oy vey. Um, so, uh, do you prefer to be called Pam or Pamela? Pam. Okay. I go by Pam. Okay, and your Hebrew name? My Hebrew name, well, Israelis call me Pamela, but my Hebrew name is Sarah, but I don't go by it. That's okay. My Hebrew name is Elimelech, and nobody calls me that. Okay. Mel's a lot easier. And so is Pam. So, so, um, so do you want to start with your amazing books, a few words about them before we delve into your childhood and ambitions. Okay, absolutely. So the one that just came out is called The Great Passover Escape. It is about an elephant and a kangaroo who decide to um, break free from the biblical zoo and find a satyr, but they don't really know what they're doing and they get all the words wrong. And so Chimp, poor suffering Chimp, long suffering Chimp has to um, help them out and she corrects them whenever they make a mistake, and she comes with them, and it's a bit of an adventure. So um, that's published by Carbon. Um, and the one that came out a few months ago, um, maybe six months ago already, is called If I Lived With Noah. And this is um, from Apples and Honey Press. And it's about a boy who wonders what it would be like if you got a chance to go on the ark and be with Noah and help out, be with the animals. Um, it's, and, can, can you show a bit of that book? Because it's a rhyming book. Yeah. And it is a beautiful rhyming book. I teach Thank my you. students not to rhyme because it's so difficult to get the meter right. And your story has perfect meter and wonderful rhymes. Thank you. Humor. And uh, show us a couple of pages, read it. So I happen to love the illustrations. The illustrations, I, I think, are wonderful. They are by Mackenzie um, Haley. And it starts out, if I saw the animals boarding the ark as Noah stood by with his staff, I'd say, I can help with the animals, sir. He'd welcome me on with a laugh. I'll read you one more page. It's your show, Pam. And after an hour, we hear thunder roar. We watch all the rain and the lightning. I'd comfort the animals hiding below. I know, I would say, storms are frightening. And there he is comforting the animals. Again, I thought you did a beautiful job. I, I, have, I, have, I have no idea whether it's iambic pentameter or not, but it really works. Uh, uh, it's not. I, do, do, do you write songs? I do. Are you, are, I you a, are you a musician? 
um, I, I've written songs. I actually wrote a few children's songs. I mean, they, they haven't been they haven't been produced or anything. But yeah, I've been writing for a while. Not you know nothing too serious. But um, I do think it helps if you're writing poetry, if you're musical, because you really do need to have that that rhythm that flows. Um, it, it really does help. It doesn't mean it's impossible if you're not musical, obviously. It, it, well, it's almost impossible. I tell my students. If you're not a musician, if you cannot sing your story, don't rhyme it. Right. Uh, but but you have, and it, it, it's really, it's a lovely story. Thank uh, you. Not entirely biblical, which is surprising because you're religious. Yeah. So, well, I wouldn't say it's, it's anti-biblical. No. It's not anti-biblical, right? Um, but you're correct. It takes the story and then sort of really runs with it. It's a completely different idea. Um, but I think it's what, what I like about the story. And I think why, while I was writing it, um, you know, so many kids really love animals. I happen to, one of my favorite places to go really is the biblical zoo. Not that I get there all that often, but I love animals. They're just such incredible, wondrous beings. When you find out all their, the, the intricacies of each kind of animal and what they do. Uh, and I think kids are full of wonder and would love that opportunity to, it's basically being a zookeeper on a big giant boat. What could be wrong with that? No, it, 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 it's wonderful. All the things that go wrong. Uh, and uh, this kid is there to summon up the, uh, the monkey and the elephant and everybody, right. I would say everybody. And, and, and to help, I, I think it's a helping book. Yeah, everybody lends a hand, except for the animals who don't have hands, and they lend other things. <laughs> Correct. So, so um, how you know, I, I talk about this on the show, how rare it is to have traditionally published books, and you worked and worked and worked, and suddenly you have two at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, I feel very, um, very fortunate. Um, I had been trying to get published for a very long time. I came to Israel 13 years ago, and I had been writing books from before then in the United States. I wasn't, I only joined SCBWI seriously when I, when I got to Israel. Before that, I was, I think, a member for a year, maybe, but not active. Um, and I would write, but I didn't really take any courses. I didn't really ask people for too much advice. And even even in the beginning, when people would give me advice, I would be like, "Nah, you don't know what you're talking about." I was a little, and I think you need a little bit of humility in order to really um, up your game and to become more skillful. Um, and I started taking courses. I took um, a few online courses. Um, you know, Storyteller Academy. So I took a course with Jim Aberbeck, who's a published author, and it was a terrific course. Um, I took one or two shorter ones as well, uh, but I really started taking my writing a little more seriously. I also, as you know now, I run the critique groups here, and critique groups are really important. Um, you and I have had this conversation also where it's difficult to find a critique group where there are people on a high enough level to bring you up, right? But where you, don't, you feel you kind of, you don't want to bring them down either. You want to really, it's, it's a difficult balance to find a critique group where you really feel 
they're not just being nice to you. They're critiquing you. They're telling you that this needs to get better. Because that's what that's what you need. You need those outside eyes to do it. Absolutely. This has been my contention for a while that critique groups often tell you how good your manuscript is uh, when it isn't. Right. Um, let's, uh, so, um, yes. Um, that sounds like my mother, by the way. <laughs> my mom, at any time I share a story with her, oh, you should get that published. That's wonderful. I never knew how good of a writer I was. But where, apparently. Where's your mom? I need her. Yeah. <laughs> she um, lives in Connecticut. Connecticut is a good place. I hope she's watching. Hi, Pam's mom. You did very well. Let's start now at, at the beginning. Let's talk about Pam from scratch. Okay. What would you like to know? Everything. Everything. Okay. I was born and raised in Connecticut, outside of New Haven. Um, I have two siblings, a sister and a brother. Uh, my father passed away uh, many years ago. Sorry. 27 years ago, I think, um, which was a tough time. Um, and I would say though that I don't, I don't think I thought about writing until I was in college. That's really when I started writing. Um, I was an English major. Um, We're getting ahead of ourselves here, Pam. Uh, there's not much in my childhood other than that. What do you like as a five-year-old? Uh, because Mel believes that we write for our five-year-old self. Is that right? I think it's a few of your interviews. It's just a theory, Pam. Right. Look, I think that's true. Um, and I think like most young kids, I was very curious. And there was a sense of wonder for the world. I have to say, my probably my best memories as a kid growing up was we had this little summer cottage by the beach on Long Island Sound. And summertime was, you know, in the sand, going swimming, salt water, uh, putting lemon juice in my hair to make it blonde when I got a little older. But really just that sense of complete freedom and childhood, um, and, and the animals, the little, you know, the snails and the crabs and the shellfish and the, the little fish, if you could catch them in your bucket. Um, but I don't know if you can hear the noise in the background. My grandchildren just, okay, good. Um, you have grandchildren? Uh, yeah, sure do. Um, you got married when you were 15? <laughs> you're very sweet. One of those. Um, and so th those are the times I think that you remember as a kid, the, the times that are, the, I guess, the worst times, but also the fun times, the times that just stick out in your mind. Um, and I do think that when we write for our five-year-old self, we really do have to tap into that sense of wonder and innocence and love of life and fun and exploration, curiosity, because those are gifts that children have that we lose. We, you know, I'm also a middle grade teacher. Um, and when I teach The Outsiders, which is a book by Essie Hitton that's like so old already, it's a classic. 
Uh, but there's a poem in there by Robert Frost, Nothing Gold Can Stay. And it's a beautiful poem about how nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold. Our sense of wonder when we're young, that beauty, right? A leaf isn't just a green leaf. It's spectacular, it's beautiful, it's precious. And we, we, I think we lose that. And I think that as writers for young children, it's hard, but we have to try and find it. So. And, okay, so um, let's move ahead. So you went to school. Did you go to Jewish religious school? No, I didn't grow up religious. I went to a public school. I had a lot of friends from a lot of different places. Um, I grew up in a place where there was a lot of tolerance. There were a lot of different um, ethnicities. It was just a, a comfortable one. That's, that's not good for writing, you know. Really? Well, yeah, you haven't, you know, everything is wondrous. Where's the angst? Where's the conflict? Where's the kids picking on you? Come on, Pam. Where's the I don't want to mention her name. There was a bully who bullied me. Yeah. And, um, and when my sister chased her with her lunchbox, stay away from my sister. <laughs> she, she was, you know, applauded by my parents for sticking up for me. But uh, yeah, of course, there were, there were a few, um, a bully here and there. There was, my best friend was from Japan in kindergarten, first grade and second grade. And then she went back to Japan. And I remember missing her. That was really traumatic for me. Um, and we also moved. That was very difficult. But I haven't written really about any of those things. That's why um, you've got Mel. It's time to do that. Okay. I'll have to rewatch this and see what we spoke about and try and write about them. You can always give me a call. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, college, what happened in college? So in college, I started writing. I had some ideas, uh, and I wrote mostly in poetry, but the stories weren't good. There was no plot. They went on for way too long, and I thought they were genius. Um, and then I put them aside. I tried to get an illustrator for one of them, tried to get it published. I got a letter back basically saying it was terrible. Um, and then, and then I got married and had kids and got busy. And it's hard to write when you're raising children and working. And so one um, second, one second. How you got married? When did you become religious? So after, while I was in university, I started um, learning. And then um, there was a, an organ. I went to the University of Michigan, and there was a, an organization there outside of Ann Arbor. Um, and then I came to Israel and I did this program. But we know to leave a note. Amazing, amazing program up in Spot, um, where they really just encourage you to learn and accept you for who you are. And if you're interested, it's there for you. And you learn also about Jewish heritage, the history, Israel. There's a lot of hiking. And I sort of fell in love with Judaism, but also with Israel. And then you yeah. went back. I did go back to the States. We lived in my husband. I met my husband in Cleveland. And we lived in Cleveland. And then we moved to Israel. And then we moved to Palo Alto, California. And then we moved to Long Island. And now we're back in Israel. So, and you have children. Yeah. 
And they did all that moving with you? They were not happy with all the moves, but they have moved with us. So they have now what to write about. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, so you, went, you studied uh, creative writing in university. What did you study? I did some creative writing. Uh, I actually, I studied English and, um, and I got my teaching certificate. So I learned some education as well. Um, and then I was a teacher. I taught middle school, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. They're my favorite years to teach. I taught some high school too. But why is that? I like th these are the years that I have nothing to say to the kids. I'm good with five-year-olds or college students. Right. Explain, explain to me why kids in seventh and eighth grade are interesting to teach. They're the best. Um, because I'll tell you why. I, really, from like fifth grade to ninth, to me, is an absolutely wondrous age to be a teacher for because there is still that sense of innocence. They're learning about the world. They're, they're sophisticated enough to be able to really like learn and think critically and understand things. But at the same time, they really are children. And they still they haven't let go of their five-year-old self yet. Nor should they ever. Should they ever, but, but I do think we become jaded and we become disillusioned and disappointed and um, for all sorts of different things. Never um, give up your five-year-old. Agree. Agree. So you're the guardian yeah. of the five-year-old. Right. Years ago, uh, when we were living in, uh, in Woodmere on Long Island, um, a friend of mine who's a child psychologist, um, she would talk about how important it is to dance with your kids and blow bubbles with your kids and you know run in the grass with your kids uh, and not just sit at the sidelines and let them do it all by themselves because it's good for, for you as much as it is for your children. Um, so she taught me a lot. So uh, how, how did you get back to Israel and how did you get back to writing for kids? Um, that's a good question. I got back to Israel because uh, I married an Israeli who was living in America and who didn't really have plans to come back to Israel and then sort of changed his mind and was like, let's go back to Israel, let's go to Israel. Um, and I felt, I had lived here when I was single for a couple of years and I thought, you know, I really enjoyed living there. I think it's a great place to raise children. So that's how we got back here. Um, and in terms of writing, I think I, I just realized that over the years, I've just continued to write, even if it hasn't been for, you know, there were stretches that went by that I wouldn't write, of course, even months, many months, but then I'd be back at the computer writing something. Um, and I was also always writing something with poetry, whether it was for a birthday party for somebody or for music, I was writing music. So there was still, there was that creativity going on. Um, and so, and I know that when I write my poetry, I try to make sure that the meter is perfect or near perfect, that the rhymes are not lazy rhymes. There's no such thing as a near rhyme in my poems, right? I, I, um, I'm 
aware of filler words. You can't just have filler words. And then still at the same time, your plot needs to flow. It's really difficult, actually. How long, but, did, it, how long did it take you to write If I Lived With Noah? A couple of days. The truth is, when a story comes to me, so hold on, wait. It's not really a couple of days, but a couple of days. So when a story comes to me, usually all I can do is write the story. It's like I'm, I enter the story, it's in my head, and that's all that I do. I ignore everybody around me, hours. I sit at the computer, hours, and then hours, and then usually it's two or three days and it's done. And then I put it aside, and then I work on it and work on it and work on it and work on it to get the final product. So the truth is a couple of days and many months, right? Yeah. But the the heart of the story and the gist of the story is a couple of days. I have a story that hasn't been published where um, I don't want to give too much of it away, but I have this idea about a certain emotion and I kept writing about it in different ways, prose, poetry, prose, for months and months. And I was just like, I should just throw this away. And then one day, I just started writing, and by the end of the day, I had the story. You, you know, you're you're very lucky. You know, you're like these women that give birth in two minutes. Uh, because <laughs> for most of us, I don't know whether you did or not, but for most of us writers, um, you know, I, I'll have this idea, and 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 I say, "Oh, it's a great idea, great idea." Then I write it down, and it sucks. And yeah, but I, my, my books. My stories don't come together until I've revised them 20 or 40 times. Oh, okay, but, but that's me too in terms of the revising, for sure. No, but I mean, that's... you can sit down in hours and write something. Most people cannot. Most people think that they can, and uh -huh. they have the story in their head. But right. when they write it down, it comes out quite terribly. At least that's my experience. So uh, I have to say, I think from the stories that I love the most, have come to me that way. I have other stories that take me a long time, but the stories, the problem now is that I don't get that epiphany very often. It's really once after many months. And then I have to say, and then I feel like, oh, I'll never write another story. I'm done. I'm all out of it. No, don't, no, don't do that. Oh, I feel that way all the time. And then something will eventually come to me. I'm like, oh, I wrote another story, you know? That's it. Now I'm done because I'm sure I'll never have another. I think it's this cycle that I go. Why, why would you think that? I guess because. Because somebody uh, told you something when you were five. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. Right. Okay, so so um, you have done what one in 5,000 or 10,000 writers uh, try to do, which is to get publishing deals with traditionally published houses. And uh, you did this twice. Did you do it with an agent? Was it just Pam against the world? Uh, walk us through this, please. So I don't have an agent. I've been trying to get an agent. Um, I actually, I would say I quit trying to get an agent about probably two years ago because I wrote to so many agents. I must have written to 40 different agents about a story that I thought was very strong. Uh, I got some lovely rejections where they had actually, they said it was funny, they laughed out loud, it was really great, but no thanks. So 
it's still a no. Um, I got a rejection where somebody said, well, we like the story. What else do you have to show us? And I showed them two other stories and they didn't like it. And nope. This is like, this is like, you know, a, um, you know, uh, the game called baseball. Okay, so in the in the game called baseball, if you if you hit four hundred, it means that you're getting on base four times out of ten. And it's like and, and there's nobody who ever hits four hundred. Um, it's like I'm interviewing an amazingly successful writer, because if you queried forty agents and you got more than one handwritten rejection, and you got one request for more material. You're batting 400. You're batting 600. Don't don't you ever give up. I've queried, I don't know, 150 agents. 40 is nothing, dear. Right. Okay, so, keep, keep going. Keep going. I'm I'm disturbing you. You're, no, successful. you're not. You're successful. I'm not. You tell us. No, I'm I'm lucky. I'm lucky because I also, first of all, the the. the... You're, not, you're not lucky. You're not lucky. The story about uh, the boy in the ark is really brilliant it's a genius story thank you and it's so well written thank you and thank i don't you. know i don't know very many people in the world who can write that well thank you i really appreciate that thank you um that story uh, the, how that story got published is crazy because um pj library was having um pj library and scbwi have a Jewish Stories Award once a year. And I submitted that story with a couple of others, thinking, oh, I'm never gonna win, whatever, but I'll submit them. And I thought if anything had a chance, there might've been the Passover story, actually. That was one that I submitted also. And three months later, whenever it was, I don't remember how many months later, I got the email saying that I won. and. I, yeah, I, I literally screamed. I saw the email, right, the subject line, that it was from PJ Library. And I was like, oh, um, another rejection. I'm sure they'll say thanks, but no thanks. And I opened it up and I, I had to read it twice. I, I really, and so because it was the winner. One second, you actually screamed? Oh, yeah. I, well, I can gasped. You, I gasped incredibly you, loudly you, that my husband. Can you reproduce that now? For our, for our viewers? I probably could, but, you know, I, I was actually in the hospital at the time. I was in the hospital at the time because I had had an issue with my heart. And thank God I'm fine. I'm absolutely 100% fine, thank God. But I was in the hospital, and my husband was sitting in the room, and all of a sudden I went, <gasps> and he thought, you know, something was wrong with my heart again. So... And I started hyperventilating. And so he was like, what's going on? What's going on? And I had to show him my phone with the email. Amazing. If you, if you have to hyper, hyperventilate, it, it's, the hospital is a good place. Yes. Yeah. But look, Mel, that was a journey that took me. Right? That's, that was a, probably a 15-year journey or a 12-year journey from when I really had started writing and taking courses and being in a critique group and to really get to that place. And I know people who have been doing it longer, 15 years, 20 years, until they're actually published. Um, I would say also that 
trying to get published with small publishing houses is also a good idea because um, you don't need an agent. So one second, so you, you won this award. And, and, and so then it was easy for you to contact them or they contact, contacted you? So how it works is um, PJ Library then publishes the book through PJ Library. And because it's an award winner, usually they'll get offers from other publishers who might be interested. And so Apples and Honey did. And, um, and so I went with Apples and Honey. Okay, but um, you have another book from Carbon. It, this is not just... This is not just dumb luck. This is something about you, Pam. Maybe, I don't know. So, so Carbon, um, the representative from Carbon comes to Israel once every year or once every other year. And she's open to looking at people's manuscripts. And I have to say, I showed her plenty of manuscripts that she was like, uh, thanks, Mel, thanks. Right? And in the beginning, Mel, when she came and I showed her this manuscript that I thought was amazing and she turned it down, I was like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Well, she was absolutely right. Looking back, that was not a good manuscript. So it took years for me to, you know, realize what I need to do. And still, I'm writing stories that I send to my critique group. And I think, oh, this really has potential. And basically, it seems. And I get the feedback and I'm like, oh, there's no plot. They're right. I forgot to put a plot in, a real plot, you know. <laughs> or there's no character development. My character is boring. And and you don't see it. But at least now I feel I'm open to the criticism and I'm I'm willing to learn. It's hard work. It's lots of hard work. Yeah. Why do we do it? That is a good I think we're just compelled to. Why do you write music? Why do you, why does anybody, why are you creative? Right? Why, Mel Rosenberg, why are you creative? Isn't it just something inside of you that needs to express itself? Yeah, but this show is about you, Pam. Oh, but, uh, but, but I think for anybody, a creative person. Yeah, but I mean, you look, um, I want to ask you about writing for the general public um, in a second. But, you know, anytime there's a contest, thousands of people enter, you know, even um, even this 50 words that the, the, there was this contest uh, from last week of our friend Vivian. Um, she, uh, 900 people submitted five, 50 words. Mm -hmm. um, for the SCBWI, I think there was more than 4,000 wow. book manuscript submitted. Um, agents get about 5,000 submissions a year, yeah. of which they may take three or four. Right. And they hardly ever answer anybody. Right. Um, and the chances uh, are very, very slim. And, and, and you beat them. So you have to appreciate that there's something really good about what you do um i'm certainly not there yet but i'm i'm trying to be right. um so here's the question um people like me who are jewish but not religious uh and have trouble writing jewish children's stories i i just wrote one but but they won't i don't think they'll take it because 
it doesn't uh, you know doesn't teach you uh, how to uh, be a better Jew or how to observe Passover or um, you know how many uh, plagues there were and so on and so forth. Um, do you also write stories that are not Jewish based, Bible based, or holiday based? Okay, so a, a couple of things. First of all, it's a great question. It's a great question. Uh, but I do want to say to you that um, you should definitely try uh, getting that story published because a lot of Jewish publishers, they don't want something Jewishy, preachy. They, they, they'd rather have a more universal message. So, um, so it's definitely worth a shot. Um, and Mel, I never thought I would write a Jewish story. Most of the stories that I've written are not Jewish. And I never thought I, I have anything published Jewish at all. Anytime I actually tried to write something Jewish, it came out as like trying to teach a lesson. It was horrible. Uh, it was horrible. I I hated them myself. I have Can't several write. of those. Yeah. Benji, Benji and the flying matzah. I couldn't understand why nobody wanted it. <laughs> Keep going. It sounds magical, actually. I can send it to you, but it's not Please a good. It's not a good Please story. Do. It's not a good story for the reasons that you just uh, mentioned. Right. right. So you know, do a mitzvah, help other people. I just, I, I just did. They were horrible. Um, and then, and then I, I think the Noah story was probably my first Jewish story. But when you think about it, as you said, uh, I kind of taken the Bible story and changed it. It's not really the Bible story. And it's a what if. It's really just a kid imagining. What if? Because when you say what if, you can do anything. Right? What if I got to land on the moon? What would it be like? Right? And so maybe that'll be my next story. I don't know. Um, that I, That's exactly what I was thinking because this this what if motif of yours this book is a real uh, a real masterpiece. The one about Passover is great too, but but Noah is a real masterpiece of writing. Thank you, thanks, Mel. It tells a Hope story. The world that. Thank you. It tells a story. There is a moral somewhere in between, uh, but that doesn't drive the story. So no. I, I think that, I think that what we agree on is that the moment that the moral drives a story, that's when you want to puke. Yes, exactly. Including including our own stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, somebody in my critique group actually is so good at finding that and pointing it out to me. You know, when I don't even think it's in there. She's like, you know, this feels like a teaching moment. What do you do? And oh, you're right. But that's terrific because, you know, in fact, I just submitted a story. She pointed it out to me and I took out the line. It was just one line, but I, and she's the only one who found it. But I felt like if she found it, somebody else would. And that's not the purpose of the story. It's the purpose of a story has to be that it touches you emotionally, that it that it moves you somehow. So any kind of moral or anything else, that's just extra fun. I love you for saying that, Pam. Um, I'm not sure that it helps people get published though. Uh, but that's another another topic. Mm. So, uh, so Carbon, uh, you you approached this lady when she was here in Israel. Yeah. 
And um, wow, I like this this Passover escape of the animals in the biblical zoo. So I I, I actually great, great idea. I actually didn't hear from them for six months. It's a very slow process. Uh, publishing, you know, trying to get published, and I had forgotten that I'd even given it to her. Now I think I actually emailed it to her after she had left. I had I was like I sent her that manuscript, and I had to look. It would have been six months, um, and sure enough, there was my email to her. So they made a few changes because that's what editors do. They made a few changes. Um, if I lived with Noah, also they made a few changes. Um, but I think she liked the silliness of the Passover story. Um, I think kids really, you know, they love it when you get something wrong. Do you want to, do you want to read a page or two of the, yeah, they love it. Sure. For sure. Um, the Great Passover Escape. It was evening at the biblical zoo in Jerusalem. The zoo will be closing for Passover tomorrow night, said Ellie the elephant to her kangaroo friend, Kang. Closing? But I want to celebrate Passover, Kang said, peering over the wall. I want to try that flat, crunchy thing people eat. It looks yummy. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. How, how did a kangaroo get into a, a biblical zoo? Yeah, no, but I don't remember, I don't remember kangaroos in the Bible. That's not a good question, but they're there. That's not a good question. We won't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way you tweak the Bible. It's great. Um, okay, but I, I didn't tweak the biblical zoo part. I mean, there, there is a kangaroo there. That's what you say. Yeah. Um, so the elephant says, I think that's called a cracker, said Ellie with a wise nod. No, I think it's a kind of toast, said Kang. It's matzah, said the chimp, their neighbor. Be quiet, both of you. I'm trying to sleep. Matzah, said Ellie and Kang, looking at each other. Shh, said chimp, closing her eyes. And that's really, that's how the story goes. And they, again, they get um, a lot of different things wrong. Uh, my favorite is that they say, they leave the zoo, they walk, hold on a second, they escape. And then, here it is. So Shmulik is the game, is the, um, he cleans out the cages at the zoo and they all know him. They, he's like raised them all. Shmulik told me that in the Passover story, when Pharaoh wouldn't let the Jews leave Egypt, God sent 10 planes so the Jews could leave, said Ellie. No, it was 10 plates, corrected Kang. 10 plagues. So, and the illustrations are really adorable. Yeah, who are they by? The illustrations are by Florence Weiser. Um, if I could also give a piece of advice to anybody who's listening who, who wants to be a writer, you know, sometimes I get phone calls from people who have written books and they're looking for an illustrator. So most publishers, if you're not an author illustrator, they assign you. An illustrator and if you try and submit a story with a friend oh my friend illustrated or whatever they don't like that they, they might not even look at the manuscript they pick the illustrator and you have no choice or very little choice you have very little choice 
Um, luckily, I, I like both illustrators. I think um, I think the great past of our state just has that sense of fun and silliness to it. Um, and the Noah pictures were really what I imagined. So they're they're true. Sometimes it's uh, it's not bad to have the illustrator create something that you didn't imagine. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, we're drawing towards the end, and I think that with all this talent, and you know, two traditionally published books in one year, you should have no trouble finding an agent for your next your next stage. My next my next big step. Uh, one can only hope. Thank you. Thank you, Mal. And I'm, I hope uh, so. I'm, I'm looking for a critique partner just like you, Pam. Anyway. Okay. We will have to talk after the program then. Okay. So uh, before we end, um, we always talk about the Beatles. You're a bit young for the Beatles, but... Um, I'm young for the Beatles. I love the Beatles. I didn't know you always talk about the Beatles. Because you have to watch the show to the end. Ah, uh, I don't always. You're one, of the, you're one of the people who watches the jingle to see whether it will change. I love that jingle. You wrote that jingle. Yeah, I love it. It's always the same, Pam. I know. You can fast forward it. <laughs> Why? It's such a great part of the show. Okay, but I mean, the end is also not bad because I'm okay. going to ask you what your favorite Beatles song is. And then I'm going to ask you to sing it. I won't sing it. You will. Oh, no, I won't. I really won't sing it. But... Um, I think she'll sing it, said the I, kangaroo. Right. I'll, I'll tell you whether she'll sing it. My range is so small. Uh, my voice will crack and it will embarrass me now. Embarrass no, me. You don't want to embarrass me. We will love you for going outside your comfort zone and reconnecting with your five-year-old who loves no. to sing. Okay. One of my favorites. This is, you know, this is, the, the, I offer this catharsis for free to my wonderful interviewees. Thank you. Can I ask you a question now? Will you sing it with me? Of course. Okay. So if I know I, the song. The Long and Winding Road. Oh, that's a wonderful song. It that you pick the key. No, you pick the key. You're singing it. Men's keys are different. You're a musician. Come on, Pam. The long ready? And winding road. You're not singing with me. Because there's because there's a delay. There's late delay. Add me to your door. Okay, we're done. No, no, but it's a great song. No, no. Mal. We'll never disappear. I, I remember the words. Na, 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 na. It's been so long. Mm. I have to go listen Don't to the Beatles. Leave me standing here. Let me. Leave me to. No, I don't know what it is. No, no, I, I really, that's so embarrassing that I don't even know the words to one of my favorite Beatles songs. That's not embarrassing. It just shows that the, the, the words to a song are somewhere in the back of our head. It's hard to bring them out, but that's one of the most beautiful songs. What's one of your favorites, Mel? No, this show is about you, Pam. You, can, you come on, you can share a Beatles song. My favorite Beatles song is Here, There, and Everywhere. From the White Album. I don't know if I know that. Sing it. Here, making each day of the year, changing my life with a wave of her hand. 
Nobody can. Do, 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 dee, da, da. See, I forgot also. I yeah. want her everywhere, and if she's beside me, I know I need never care. Can anybody even come close to the Beatles today? You know Ben. Do you know Ben Folds? No, haven't met him. Do you know his music? He's brilliant. After ben the Folds. Beatles, after the Beatles, I just gave up. Look him up. He's terrific. Okay. Ben Folds. So listen, it's been anyway. Thank you. Yeah, in, underneath the video. Put links to where people can buy your two beautiful books. Thank you. We'll do. And uh, this was brilliant. I was going to take a break uh, until after Passover. And then when you wrote to me, I say, oh, wow. Uh, people should know what a wonderful human being you are. Oh, thank you, Mel. Thank you. Um, you know, I, it was very kind of you to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I, I have uh, more fun than you do. Trust me. And uh, and I learn a lot, and I hope that people learn a lot about your your success, um, which is a lot of hard work. Well, Mel, let me just say this, okay? I hope that within a year, sooner, hopefully even, I am interviewing you about your first book because I would love to mention my first traditionally published book. Yeah, of course. So I, I, will I, I will tell you an embarrassing secret before we go. I had a book publishing deal 20 years ago. And okay. because of my hubris, I walked away. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's for the good. You know, when, 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 when you're ready and your writing is really, really good, it might happen and it might not. Right. But like, like you said, I thought for years that my shit didn't stink. I thought I was a great writer. And I wasn't. I was a good writer. But, you know, there's millions of good writers. And right. only the great writers have a, a chance to get published. It's so hard now. It, it, the truth is also sometimes I pick up a book and I want, how could this get published? It's garbage. And sometimes that happens too. Sometimes the not so good writers get lucky, right? So, but I've seen what you've done with our books online. That is an amazing website. Okay, so after Passover, God willing, you can interview me, dear. I would love to. It might not be this Passover, but I but I'd be love I would love to be interviewed by you, Pam. Okay. And I would love to do the interviewing. Okay. But you better be prepared to sing. <laughs> Listen, I look for opportunities. Okay. Um, this was marvelous. Have Thank you. Have a wonderful Passover. The same to you. Thank uh, you. St stay clear of the elephants. And, and I'm wishing you and your family good health. Yeah, and good luck with these two wonderful books. Thank and you. I, um, okay, so, so one year from now, you should have an agent and a book deal with one of the big publishers. Wow. That's God willing. That's what from I'm your doing. lips to God's ears. Absolutely. And in one year from now, you should have at least one contract to be traditionally published. That I will not walk away from this time. Right. At least one. Yeah. All right. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Bye. Go on.